Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Four great trade roads that went through Ephesus, and it was known as the Gateway to Asia. They had a wonderful seaport there that encouraged trade at that time. It excelled in education and the arts and music and religion. And they had one of the largest theaters ever known to man at the time. It was a theater that could seat up to 250,000 people. And one of the great things about it, at least great uh, from, from their perspective, not, not the church there, but the people of Ephesus who were, were pagans, they were idolaters, um, the church was in the midst of that, but one of the things that the city uh, really enjoyed was this wonderful temple that they had to Artemis, who was Diana. We are so thankful that you could join us today on Truth in Christ Radio. In our lesson today, Pastor Rob begins a study of the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The first one being the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a famous city in the ancient world with an equally famous church. Paul ministered in Ephesus for three years. Aquila and Priscilla with Apollos served there with Paul's closest associate, Timothy. The Apostle John also ministered there. Jesus expressed his concerns for his church in this great city. Now let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and follow along with Pastor Rob. This morning's message, uh, before we actually get into it, I just need to share something with you. On the internet and uh, in other places, there are people, pastors and, and others, giving messages about what where our country is going through right now. And I want to gently warn you to be careful uh, about this topic because there are some, you know, who are being very critical of, of even the church and, and also others that are uh, saying this is the end of the world and, and all of these things. And, and we've already covered those things in, in previous messages since this has all come to pass. We know this is not... Uh, the end of it all. We know this is just uh, what Jesus called uh, the beginning of sorrows. And uh, these are just things that are s uh, slowly ramping up. In Matthew 24, you remember that Jesus said that there would be, in the last days preceding his second coming, um, and, and certainly we know that the church is going to be removed at least seven years prior to that, his physical second coming uh, in the rapture. The events leading up to that time were going to be preceded by famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and we're certainly seeing those things. Um, even a casual observer can see that. So I don't want to get into that right now, but I will say this. Uh, just be careful about what you listen to and, and how you listen. You know, that there, I don't claim to know God's purpose in what is happening in the world, in our country. I do know this, though, and this is the thing we have to hold on to. Is God getting our attention? Yes, He is. 
Is he getting the church's attention? Yes, he is. Is he getting the world's attention? Absolutely. He's really getting their attention. And, 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 and so for us to, to know for sure exactly what his, what his main goal is in all of this, we can't say. It's appropriate for us, uh, all of us, uh, unbelievers and for the church. It's important for us to, to look at this as a wake-up call, a wake-up call for all of us to, to really put off the things that we know are wrong in our life. And many of you, uh, we've all got issues in our life that we need to put away. The Bible is replete with passages about putting off the things of the flesh and putting off besetting sins and, and all of these things, you know. And, and those things, those lists are very long. And, and we've read those, we've seen those. So we need to take stock in that and, and say, Lord, in my own life, uh, what is there that um, that I need to turn away from, and and certainly the world needs to do this as well. They need to open their eyes and and to see that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back very soon. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know that he is, and certainly he's got their attention. But church, we have to realize that this is a good time for us also to get our eyes refocused on Christ and to. Put away those things that we know that we maybe we've been flirting with. Uh, any issue in your life, it's important for us to put those things away and really draw closer to the Lord. Not in condemnation, but if if, if we are convicted of anything, then let's take it and, and let's go forward, but not in condemnation. Condemnation will draw you away from Jesus. Conviction will hopefully bring you closer to Him. If God has His way... Um, everyone will be challenged, and I believe that is true. Everyone on this planet right now is being challenged. And so we, the church, need to also take that challenge. But I'm not going to say that this coronavirus is judgment on the church because Jesus has placed his judgment already on his son at the cross. Are we going to go through persecutions? And this is really not a persecution, but it is a tribulation of sorts, isn't it? It's not the great tribulation, but it is a tribulation. You know, something difficult. And, and the first church went through tribulations as well. They were persecuted. They had different things going on. So we're no different than they. But this is not the end, but we're approaching the end. And so it's important that we make our calling and election sure. It's important for those who don't know Christ to really get to know Him because the time is short and we don't know the day or the hour. And so take that for what it is. And I want to encourage those of you who are, who've got a sensitive heart and uh, the message this morning is is not something I purposely put at this time, uh, because as you know, we've been going systematically through the Bible, and we just happened to land here this morning at Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, which talks about the church of Ephesus, and the title of the message is called The Loveless Church. And this message this morning, some of you, I want to ask you to be careful, because some of you are more sensitive, and you're you're willing to take it all on the chin, and you're willing to... Uh, even let it uh, condemn you, and don't let that happen. Uh, there are opportunities, there are uh, places of growth for all of us. Take whatever growth that, that, that you can get out of this that the Lord is encouraging you with and discard any condemnation, okay? Because the Lord is not here to condemn anyone. He's here to get our attention, and He's here to draw us back to Him. Just as the song we sang, First Love, and as you know, the Loveless Church, this topic that we're talking about, is, is important for us. And by the way, this title is not something I placed on it. This is one that came right from the uh, New King James Version Bible. The translators put this over the top, and I liked it because it fit. 
not it fit the church at Ephesus at the time that this is being written. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Let's open up to Revelation chapter two. We're going to look at just the first seven verses. And I'd also encourage you, uh, Joel Rosenberg, just yesterday or the day before, put out a 12-page study on pestilence and the judgment of God. I think that's a really healthy thing for you to read because you can get a, a biblical stance on uh, how these things played out in, the, in, in history. And you can see uh, a balanced view of this. And so I think that's really good for us to, to check out. It's, uh, if you go to the Joshua Fund website, by Joel Rosenberg. You'll probably see that 12-page study. I read it myself. It was pretty good. So I think it'd be important for you to check out so you can put things in perspective. Okay, That's important in this time to put things in perspective, not give way to a bunch of uh, sensationalism and heavy criticism. We need to look at it uh, the way I think the Lord would have us to. So let's uh, look at Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. And before we read that passage together, I just want to share a few things uh, about the mystique and the neglect of the book of Revelation. That there's, uh, of all the books in the Bible, this is one of them that uh, is read the least, um, especially in uh, churches uh, that are um, that don't really believe in the Word of God. Can you believe there's actually churches that don't really hold to the Word of God? But there are, and we're not one of them. We We hold to the Word of God. But there are churches that won't share this book at all. And yet, what does it say in verse 3 of chapter 1? It says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So there's a blessing attached to it, and that's what we need to remember. But this book does have a mystique about it, and uh, unfortunately it's not read very often. And of all the letters in the New Testament, as we know in the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote a number of letters, certainly to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, the Thessalonians. He wrote many letters. These seven letters that Jesus dictated to John here encompassed in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, these seven letters are the most neglected out of all of them. Everyone's heard of Ephesians. Everyone is well-versed in, in Corinthians and Romans. But for some reason, these seven letters of Jesus are the ones that are neglected the most. In fact, there was an archbishop in the Church of England. His name was Archbishop Trench. And this is what he said. He said he cited as saying that um, he said it is to be regretted that while every chapter of every other book of the New Testament is set forth to be read in the church and wherever there is daily service is read in the church three times in a year and some or portions of some oftener while even of the apocalypse itself two chapters and portions of others have been. Uh, admitted into the service. Under no circumstances, whatever, can the, the second and the third chapters ever be heard in the congregation. And so he's saying that just in the, in, in the, in the orthodox of the church, that, that there's even, uh, that they never include these portions in those, uh, those sections of the service, which is kind of a travesty because this is where we learn about ourselves. That's why these seven letters are important. In fact, chapters 2 and 3 that we're beginning this morning, we're not going to get through all of chapter 2, certainly, but uh, these chapters represent the things which are. If you remember, look in your Bibles at uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Remember what Jesus said to John. He says, write the things which are. And we, we already saw those things because those things encompassed really the first chapter of Revelation there, uh, specifically chapters 12 through 18. 
really talked about who Jesus is and, and his uh, in his glorified state. They're, they're, they are there. So Jesus told him, write the things which are that he was seeing right there at the time. And so John wrote those things. And then he says, and write the things, um, I'm sorry, I messed that up. <laughs> the things which you have seen, the things which he has seen was in actually chapter 1, verses 9 through uh, 18. But he says, now write the things which are. And the things which are, uh, at the time John wrote this, penned uh, by him, the the churches at that time were the churches, uh, the seven churches that we were going to be looking at. The first one is Ephesus, and then Smyrna, and then Pergamos, and Thyatira, and Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. These are the seven churches. And you remember in that uh, that verse as well in chapter 19, and he says, and also write the things which will take place after this. And we know that chapter 4, in the Greek, the very first two words are after these things. John says, after these things, I looked up. And beheld a door, a door standing open in heaven, and a voice says, "Come up here." So after these things, that's exactly what John is referring to in this outline. After these things, so after the church ages is done and the church is raptured, then begins that section of the Bible from chapters four to the end that speaks of after these things. So we are looking currently at the things which are, and so these letters were addressed, if you recall, if you see, it says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. These letters were addressed to the messengers. When it says the angel, uh, it can refer to angel, but can also refer to a man, to a pastor specifically. And these letters were addressed to the messengers or the pastors of these seven churches that were in Asia Minor at the time. And while these letters do address commendations, encouragements of things that were that they were doing well, they also Jesus also issued a reproof as well, and so we they need to um, they needed to listen to that because it was something true to them, and we need to pay attention as well. These seven churches also can be seen as representative of the church during the church age, because if you look at these seven churches and the letters that Jesus wrote to each one of them, every one of us can fit into one of these churches, maybe even into a specific church. And within those seven churches, uh, the things that they were doing well and the things that they weren't doing well uh, uh, throughout the whole entire church age, we can say uh, with certainty that those things have also been in the lives of the churches as well. In other words, there are times where we are doing really well and some of the things that he commends them on, we can be commended as well. And there's other things that we need to be careful of and things that we need to change, things that we need to repent of. And so those things are true of these letters. Remember, the church age really began on the day of Pentecost when the church was born on the day of Pentecost. You recall, and the first members of the church were Jews. Uh, they were um, those those men in Israel and Jerusalem specifically, and the church age will finish or be completed at, at the rapture of the church, and so if um, that is the church age, and one of the interesting features of these seven letters was that Jesus dictated to John uh, was that although each one is written to a specific church, they were all to be read by the other churches as well. You'll find at the very bottom of each letter, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So these church, these letters were written to specific churches, but they were also meant to be read to the other churches as well, because Jesus knew that all of the great things and all the things that weren't so great affect us all at one time or another uh, throughout the church age. 
throughout the church age, and we find ourselves in here too. And there's a familiar pattern, actually, to each one of these letters. You'll find that there is uh, there's seven elements of each of these letters, and they're not necessarily in the same order, but the, you'll see that Jesus addresses the specific church. And secondly, he will also share some characteristics of himself and a description of himself. And that's important because certain churches need to be aware that he is the one who can see. He's got the eyes of fire, and um, he knows all things. And that's important for somebody who is struggling like the church in Ephesus was in the first century. They need to hear those things. And also Jesus, the third thing is he, he gives knowledge of the things that, that, that they were doing. The, the, the things that they were doing. And also, uh, fourthly, uh, words of commendation, uh, encouraging them in the things that they were doing well. And also, fifthly, <laughs> words of rebuke, things that they needed to change. And this is true for all the churches here in these letters, except for the church at Philadelphia. It's the only one where Jesus didn't have some uh, uh, reproof of any kind. They were doing really well, and he exhorted them and encouraged them in that. And number six, these letters often end, toward the end, there'll be an exhortation or a promise, and it's often set off by the phrase, he who overcomes, he who overcomes. And and certainly we are more than overcomers in Jesus, and so we have to remain uh, steadfast and and vigilant and going forward and not backward, not backsliding, and uh, we need to keep going forward. And finally, At the end, there's a universal command that he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the ecclesia, that that's what the church is. We are the called out ones, the sent out ones. And so, as before we get into the letter, we have to look at Ephesus for a few minutes because the city was located on the western shore of modern-day Turkey back at that time. Uh, it's also been called Asia Minor, but it's on the western shore of that area. And we believe that it was from there that the Apostle John, he wrote his first three letters, uh, uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And um, one of the interesting things about this city at the time that Jesus was writing this letter to this church was that they had a thriving economy. They had a great trade thing going on. Uh, There were um, four great trade roads that went through Ephesus, and it was known as the gateway to Asia. They had a wonderful seaport there that encouraged trade at that time. It excelled in education and the arts and music and religion. And they had one of the largest theaters ever known to man at the time. It was a theater that could seat up to 250,000 people. And one of the great things about it, at least great uh, from, from their perspective, not, not the church there, but the people of Ephesus who were, were pagans, they were idolaters, um, the church was in the midst of that, but one of the things that the city uh, really enjoyed was this wonderful temple that they had to Artemis, who was Diana. Uh, Diana was uh, the, uh, the, a Greek god of uh, fertility, and she had her temple in Ephesus, and it was one of the seven wonders of the world. And a lot of things happened here at Ephesus, too. We know that Paul lived here for three different or three years ministering to the people at Ephesus. You can read about that in Acts 19 and 20. And he also worked a number of miracles, healing the sick. Paul uh, performed exorcisms. Uh, He confounded magicians and caused many in the city who were given over to those strange arts to, they they gave their hearts to the Lord and they ended up burning all of their books 
uh, in the center of the city. You remember that? And also this was the place where Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians. Uh, It's a a place that was home to the Apostle John. And uh, he ministered there and ultimately died there. We know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there living with John. Remember when Jesus was on the cross, he looked and he says, Woman, behold your son. And and Jesus was pointing to John. And he looked at John and he says, uh, uh, Behold your mother. Behold your mother. So John, I want you to take care of my mother. And so when John went to Ephesus, Mary would go with him as well. And we also know that Paul's protege, Timothy, also lived and ministered in Ephesus. So Ephesus was a significant city. It was very busy. And um, they had a lot of things going on. And it's interesting, when we look at the letter to Ephesians, meaning Paul's letter to the Ephesians, not the letter we're looking at today, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 said this, beginning in verse 15, he says, Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith, so this church that was in Ephesus at, the, at Paul's time, which was about 30 to 35 years earlier than what we're talking about today. Okay, So we're looking at around 62 A.D., And so at that time, notice what Paul said of the Ephesian church. He says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now notice what Paul was saying. He was commending them for their love. And then notice what happens. Now, fast forward 30 to 35 years, that church that once started off really in love with the Lord and really burning brightly for Him and serving and ministering to others. We're going to read a letter now that was written around 95 A.D., so 30 to 35 years later. And notice what happened to the church. Notice what happened. They started off really well, and then their flame, their their fire in their heart toward Christ began to dim, and and they lost their first love. Instead of being filled with love, they lost it. And isn't it amazing how just a little bit of time And 30 years is not a lot of time, especially for a body of believers. And they started off so well, and then they slowly, slowly got concerned about things of this life, and they got concerned with the the cares of this world. And, And isn't it true? Has anybody noticed that this world and everything that you're seeing on television, I would encourage you not to watch much television, uh, because uh, there's so much now, the agendas of all these networks and even the media is slowly, slowly, it's like, uh, it's like water on sandstone and it's, it's slowly eroding your faith. It's slowly eroding the things that God wants to build up in your life. Don't allow that to happen, folks, because there is and there are agendas out there. And you know what they are. There's homosexual agendas trying to make everybody accept this, this lifestyle. And it's not a lifestyle. It's a sin. It's a sin. No different than fornication. No different than a man and a woman outside of marriage uh, getting together. It's no different. It's sin. And homosexuality is sin. Um, stealing is a sin. Lying is a sin. There are many sins, and that's just one of them. But our culture is slowly eroding the confidence of the church and people. Now it's totally accepted in the schools. And now children have to, uh, they have to make a decision about what gender they are. These kind of things are horrible. But notice that that's what's happening. And so it can happen to us. And I believe to some extent it is happening to us, and that's why this letter is so important, because we must resist it. 
We don't have to get militant. There's no need to... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.